How do you sneak into a fortified city? The tactics of war can be complicated, creative, and at times outrageous. From fake inflatable tanks to draw attention away from D-Day preparations to, oh, I don't know, a giant wooden horse, wars have been fought in clever and innovative ways. One of the most outrageous, the lesser-known strategies, came in 1943 as the Allies were poised in North Africa, ready to make a push across the Mediterranean to Sicily. The Germans were waiting for them in Italy, so the Allies thought, why not give them a good head fake? Allies wanted to divert their attention instead towards Greece and Sardinia, and decided to enlist the help of an unsuspecting and rather unsuspected kind. Documents that change the world. A collection of fabricated materials created by the MI5 British Intelligence Service as part of Operation Mincemeat. 1943. I'm Joe Janes of the University of Washington Information School, and I'm delighted to be joined here by my student Kate Merrifield, who researched and wrote this episode. The plan to accomplish this trickery most likely came from none other than the mind behind James Bond, British Naval Officer Ian Fleming, who'd been recruited by the Naval Intelligence Service in 1939. Fleming worked with two other intelligence officers on the mission, Charles Chumley and Ewan Montague, who Churchill referred to as corkscrew minds. The British Director of Naval Intelligence, Admiral John Godfrey, had asked the imaginative Mr. Fleming to create a list of possible operation suggestions, and in all, 51 were compiled into the Trout Memo, so named because wartime deception was seen to be comparable to fly fishing, which escapes me altogether. The memo was distributed to other intelligence chiefs, and in 1943, when the opportunity arrived, number 28 on the list, later named Operation Mincemeat, was chosen. The plan, inspired by a similar operation described in Basil Thompson's 1937 novel, improbably titled The Milliner's Hat Mystery, was to feed falsified information to the Germans through a fictional dead soldier's equally fictional personal documents. Months were necessary to create a complete and convincing backstory. The fabricated soldier was Major William Martin of the Royal Marines, whose life was fleshed out with ticket stubs, keys, a religious medal, a demand from Lloyd's Bank for repayment of an overdraft of 79 pounds 19 shillings tuppence, and even handwritten letters from an imaginary overbearing Edwardian father. He also carried a picture of his apparent fiancée, who was in fact a British agent posing on a beach, and an angry letter from his tailor about his last payment. Lastly, and most importantly, Major Martin was given misleading letters marked personal and most secret from military authorities in London to a senior British officer in Tunisia, hinting that the Allies were planning an attack on Greece and Sardinia, not Sicily. Now, who could play the part of Major Martin? This isn't exactly the kind of mission you can ask for volunteers for, so it fell to the body of one Glyndor Michael, recently found in King's Cross, London, after an apparent suicide by ingesting rat poison. Ideal, because that would be masked by exposure to seawater. After several months' preparation, Mr. Michael was dressed in uniform with the just senior enough rank of acting major, and a life jacket to make it seem he had died at sea. He's then put in a special container designed by Charles Fraser Smith, 
thought to be the model for Q in the Bond novels, and driven by Britain's leading race car driver to a submarine, where he was finally cast away after the reading of the 39th Psalm toward the Spanish coast. Spain was officially neutral, though with obvious Axis sympathies, and so the British hoped he would be found on a nearby beach and the documents he carried would make their way into the hands of the Germans. And that is almost exactly what happened. Major Martin was picked up by fishermen on April 30, 1943, off the coast of Huelva. Once he was discovered, the Spanish offered the body and its case to the local British vice-consul, Francis Hazelton, who instead insisted that it be processed through official means. This seemed fishy, especially since a short while afterwards, in an attempt to make the validity of the documents even more convincing, the British acted out a frantic attempt to recover the case and sent many messages to Spain asking about the whereabouts of Major Martin. Once the Germans found out about the lost British documents, they immediately did everything they could to obtain them and ended up finding a few sympathetic members of the Spanish general staff to help out. By the time the body was handed over to British diplomats through official channels, copies had been made of the letters and personal artifacts and were on their way to Berlin. All of this was aimed at Adolf Hitler, who was obsessed with the idea of protecting the Balkans against an Allied attack he felt sure was coming. Those suspicions now apparently confirmed, he moved entire divisions away from Sicily to defend Greece and Sardinia. German military command sent an urgent message to the head of its forces in the region stating, the measures to be taken in Sardinia and the Peloponnese have priority over any others. And after confirmation of that order, Winston Churchill received a telegram. Mincemeat swallowed, rod, line, and sinker. The Germans were caught completely off guard by the 160,000 Allied troops that arrived in Sicily on July 9th. Those soldiers met minimal resistance, and in no small part because of this, the Axis was forced to call off assaults on the Eastern Front to better defend Italy. Historical political philosopher Alistair McIntyre remarked, and from that moment on, the German army was on the back foot on the Eastern Front. In terms of the general choreography of the war, this was an absolutely critical dance. While it's difficult to precisely quantify the impact of this operation, it seems quite likely to have saved numerous lives, as well as contributing to the downfall of Mussolini and turning the tide of war. In the end, Glyndur Michael's body was buried in Huelva, bearing the name William Martin. And there it stayed until 1997, when the British government, in a lovely if belated touch, added the carved postscript to his monument served as Major William Martin, Royal Marines. This strange but true story was turned into the book Operation Mincemeat by Ben McIntyre, as well as a 1950s movie, The Man Who Never Was. It continues to fascinate and is still considered to be one of the most successful covert missions of World War II. But let's go back. Before the Germans acted on this information, they had analysts look over the case and the papers themselves. The body was seen to be in better shape than others who'd been found after dying at sea, and since the British turned down his return at first, that also raised eyebrows. It's also possible 
that the lead analyst for Hitler on this case, one Alexis von Roerne, was secretly opposed to the Nazi party and might have worked against the war effort. So maybe he would knowingly verify and pass on this sort of false information. In any event, the official papers that the Germans thought they had could not be proven to be forgery. There was no real way for them to know these official documents were false, because they weren't. They were authentic, but not truthful, made to lie. These authorized counterfeit documents were carefully made to look exactly as a soldier would have them. They were put into a black attaché case that was chained to the belt of his trench coat. Great care was taken to use inks that would last the longest in water, and Montague rubbed the identity papers on his trousers for months to give them a used appearance. In fact, because these were officially made, they can't really be described as counterfeits or forgeries. Instead, maybe we call them fabrications, since they came from the military itself, though with the intent to deceive. And of course, it's much easier to fabricate military documents when the military itself is doing the fabricating. The genius touch was those personal documents. Although the team creating Major Martin were naturally familiar with the standard paper trail of a soldier, these artifacts had to be just normal enough not to cause suspicion, but also not too standard as to seem phony. The personal items we carry with us, even today, can say a great deal about us. To create a false paper trail, they created a full person with quirks, handwriting tics, as well as family and friends and letters, and a bad habit of not paying his bills. This operation immediately calls to mind contemporary parallel situations. For example, creating identities for people in the Witness Protection Program. Relocated witnesses get new names, new hobbies, new jobs, and more to make them unrecognizable from their former selves. Painstaking though this process was, it was much easier in a less documented time. A backstory is increasingly harder to manufacture in our increasingly documented world, so a mission with an intent to deceive like this one would instead it would have to be carried out electronically. A believable new identity for someone today would have to include an elaborate digital trail with social media accounts going back years, pictures with bogus but believable location and time tags, electronic bank and medical records, all of which would entail participation or at least subterfuge by a number of large corporations. Unlike the fabricated official paper documents that Major Martin carried with him, these can't be created by simply ordering them up from a military printing office. So for all we know, that Facebook profile of somebody you don't quite remember from high school, or that random Instagram user from a few towns over who just requested to follow you, could be what they appear, or could be a future sacrifice for the common good.